Howdy, Ags. Welcome back to Aggie Growth Hacks, the podcast sponsored by the McFerrin Center for Entrepreneurship at Texas A&M, where we help Ags improve their business, connect with other Aggie entrepreneurs, and support one another. I'm your host, Greg Martin, Fighting Texas Aggie Class of 2001. And I'm your co-host, Chris Hunter, Fighting Texas Aggie Class of 1998. Whoop! Well, we got a special story for you, Ags. John Albers is the president and CEO of Albers Aerospace the fastest growing Aggie-owned company in 2020. That's right. John and his team were the number one company at this year's Aggie 100 celebration. And when you talk with John, you realize that it is not about him. It is all about him and his team. So pass it back and listen up to John as he shares some good bull. Welcome back, Ags and John. Thank you so much for joining us, especially it is freezing cold out where you are. I think you're joining us from Minnesota today. So you're a long way from from your Texas roots, but you're here at Aggie Growth Hacks. And thank you so much for joining us. Bet. I appreciate the opportunity to be with you guys. Thanks for having me. Well, we loved celebrating and seeing you at the last Aggie 100. Again, congratulations on, on that win for you and your team. But let me ask you, what do you miss about being a student at A&M? Yeah, that's a great question. So I'm fortunate. My parents actually, they moved there in 90, uh, 91, right before I got married. Anyway, so I do get to go back. But like the being the student part, I was in the Corps of Cadets. I think I miss, you know, I miss walking on campus, especially as a zip, man. Walking on campus, you're kind of a big deal. The boots, the clanking of the boots and and saying howdy to everybody, getting whipped to, you know, some fish whipping out to you who's scared to death, doesn't know what he's done. And you're just telling him, hey, man, it's going to be okay, buddy. You know, you're going to get you're going to get through that and it'll be great on the other side because the Aggie network is is amazing. Having spent 24 years in the core and being gone, you know, it's it's good. But till you come back to Texas, then you're like, dude, this thing's like legit here. Right. It's like it's certainly concentrated. But the Aggie network is is real outside of the state as well. And and so it's just that part's uh, I've shared with some folks. The Aggie spirit, the spirit of Aggie land is people, right? It's really people that buy into the culture and the value system that's been cultivated since 1876, man. And it's it's awesome. It really is. When you think about it, man, I'd like to meet it'd be fun to meet those dudes way back in the day who had that idea and it grew like smokes, man. That's pretty. Pretty stinking cool. So I try to get back there once a year so I can, you know, get on the campus, feel it. I got to go twice because I went the first football game of this past season and then Aggie 100, you know, got to come back for that. So that was, that was really awesome. Love it. Absolutely love it. So tell us a little bit about your business, if you will, Albers Aerospace, and really how did you get into that and what is it? Yeah, sure. So I said I spent 24 years in the core in the Marine Corps, I was fortunate about halfway through, a little bit less than halfway through, I got selected for the Navy Test Pilot School. So I went to uh, Pax River, graduated from there, class 117. You know, they pick six Marines a year, I'm sorry, per class, so only 12 guys per year to become test pilots. So pretty small group, very fortunate to do that. And then ended up what I thought was going to be like a terminal kill my career kind of thing. Ended up, I got sucked into program management and helping the Marine Corps buy, do engineering and buy airplanes, right? Working with Sikorsky and Lockheed, et cetera. Mm-hmm. So that's where I got the concept, right? I was the first Marine to get to command uh, VX-20, which, which is a, one of the four test squadrons at Pax River. And while there, I thought I would get passed over for promotion to Colonel. 
So I figured I better figure out what I'm going to do, man, when I get done being this Marine thing and just spent a lot of time praying about it and knew I wanted to go into business. And it's funny because at that point I was like, oh, I'm going to do this aerospace stuff and it'll be awesome. But when I retired, I went and tried some retail thing with my brother-in-law who I love to death, my wife's brother. And we got our rear end kicked, man, just smoked. And so I went, worked for a big contractor and that was where, again, a lot of time in prayer. Like, you know what? I need to go back and do what I know how to do, which is aerospace and defense. So we do engineering, we do manufacturing, and we fly airplanes and help people maintain them, touch them. That's really what we do, right? So a broad thing. From the beginning, I wanted to be diversified. Some people start off with just one thing. Maybe it's engineering or just manufacturing. Because of my experience, and I say I was the customer once, because I was as, as a Marine in uniform and helping the Marine Corps buy airplanes. I knew there's value in being able to cross that spectrum. I knew it'd be hard to get there, but that was my goal was to do it that way. So anyway, so that's what we did, man. And it's, it's been a fun ride. I did it by myself as a one-man band for three years until uh, summer wow. of 18, just out there humping it, putting in a, a red-ass <laughs> 90 hours a week, doing whatever it took to get the, the thing going. Because you know, hey, if I'm going to build something of significance, it's not a 40-hour week, eight to five thing. I got to do what I got to do. And so I worked my tail off, had a consultant to actually tell me I wouldn't succeed. And I remember where I was in my house when he told me that. And I said, why do you think that? He's like, you're trying to do too much. And I said, and he's like, you'll never be able to do all things. I said, well, that's the fundamental problem between you and me. I believe in leadership. And if I can attract the right people and lead them well and create an environment where I can turn them loose to do what fires them up, I will achieve my goals. And I said, and by the way, you don't tell Marine he's going to fail because now I'm going to kill myself proving you wrong, dude. <laughs> and so I, I, uh, I worked my tail off to prove him wrong. And so anyway, not that that's healthy and, and uh, all that good as a man of faith, but that was what was going on inside. And so August of 18, the first guy said, yes, I chased him like a girl and finally got him to say yes and come aboard. And then we just started to take off, man. Momentum started to happen. We finished 18 with about 10, 11 people. And then we finished 19, somewhere in the 40-ish number of people on the team. Wow. And in 20, we got all the way to, we finished 20 with 72-ish people. So our revenue, I, I said earlier, 500K, 523K, 3.99, and then you know 9.98 or something. So call it 10. We'll round it up. We're Aggies. We'll round it up. And uh, yeah, phenomenal. Just again, great, great team. One guy can't do that. And I want to say that over and over. One guy cannot do that. So I'm very fortunate to have a lot of people that are that are bought into the vision and have owned it themselves. And, and I've given, I don't own 100% of the company. I gave significant pieces of the company away to incentivize people to think like owners because big things happen when that happens. And, and where did I learn that? From reading a lot, right? And just reading, reading, reading. So anyway. No, no one's going to care about the company as much as the owners. And there is a difference between well-paid and equity ownership. For sure. In, in my time, I have seen some companies that have paid people ridiculously well, ridiculous, but they haven't created the culture and the environment that it gets buy-in and money will carry the day for a while. But if people don't have good leadership, they're not empowered to be themselves in their own leadership environment. I have a phrase about be a leader in your sphere. You may not have a title that cries leadership, but man, be a leader in your sphere. And Make a difference there. And so if you create, I'm a big believer, I'm, I'm watching it happen. If you create that sort of environment, then you don't have to pay people crazy money. They'll be endeared because money's great, but personal satisfaction and um, fulfilled, that's the word I'm looking for. 
I'm fulfilled not by money. Money's you need money. I got it. But man, I want to know that my life's making a difference and I'm having an impact on the people around me and, and the customer. We're, we're building something that's significant and, and fun. Life's too short for work to suck. We got to make it fun, right? And I'm pretty intense and pretty serious guy, and, but I like to have fun. You know, I like to laugh. We got to laugh. I got to laugh at myself. That's for doggone sure. <laughs> so anyway, I think all of those components matter and contribute to the growth because to your point, money's not it. I've seen businesses that pay people really well and they're, and they're failing because as soon as bad things start to happen and they will, the money's not worth it. It's just not yeah. worth it. We're going to roll right now and have a break and hear a message from our sponsor. But Jana, I want to circle back to something. You, you kind of jumped over it as part of your story, but the failed business where you went into retail and what was the one or two things that you took away from that, that seeded your success for when you went back into business? Yeah, yeah. That's a great question. I think, you know, the reason we failed, we overpaid for that operation and we didn't consider the infrastructure costs, mostly rent and how that fit into our, our business. So that when, when we took a hit on revenue pretty quick after we, we bought an existing entity, when the revenue took a hit, when you've overpaid for something and your rent's not right size, man, you're screwed. I mean, I had a long commercial rent, you know, lease, right? I mean, there was, and, and nobody's interested in helping you out. They're just not, you, you signed up and personally guaranteed stuff. You got to fix it, man. So what I learned there was don't ever overpay. Watch closely your like ratios. Some industries have standard numbers that you should look at. I, I didn't know that until I got my, you know, head cracked open with a bat. And then, my business, I didn't have those ratios, but I was just hyper conscious about costs, right? I'm going to have to pay real, real attention to costs. And, and so we've built a lean team for the folks on my team, many of whom are Aggies that are going to listen to this, Christy Motes, Dave Thompson. I know y'all work your tail off. You put in crazy hours. And I, I will say on this podcast, thank you. And to the, uh, there's a lot, not just them. There's lots of people that put in so much freaking time because we stay thin. Because, and, and the reason is because, one, if we're not thin as the staff, we, we won't be as competitive. But also, there are cycles and we're going to take hits. And when we take those hits, if we've gotten kind of fat and lazy, then because times are good, then we're going to have to do the, the ugly thing and tell somebody they got to go, which I don't want to do. Right. So I, I wait till we're just compelled to add more. And that came out of that, that failed environment, right, where we just had so much cost that I couldn't, you know. Oh, it's just ugly. But you know, you learn, right? And I, the other thing I will say this, I had an MBA, wasn't some for a prestigious school, but I had one. There's nothing like doing cash flow till you got to do free cash flow. <laughs> <You know? laughs> when it's not just fill out this equation or, or ask these questions on a thing and build me a cash flow plan. It's easy to build a cash flow plan. Go execute the dead gun. Yeah, go execute. Yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> the banker part of me appreciates you so much for saying Oh my gosh. That. Like, dude, it's Wednesday and we got freaking payroll on Friday. Ah, you know, and a lot of times as a banker, you know, hey, my AR looks awesome. Who cares if you can't turn that into freaking dollars? You're out of schmitz, man. That's, that's when you go get a bat and start collecting. It's like, I'm going to bust some knees because I got to make payroll. Man. I got to make payroll, baby. What are we? Because my, you know, I tell people all the time, our customers are, you know, net 30, net 45. I've had a couple big ones tell me they want me to be net 90. And I'm like, you're going to ask me as a little oh. bank? Like, come on, man. But our employee, you know, our, we don't call people employees. We call teammates. I, employees to me feels like this. They're just a piece of the machine. A teammate 
man, we're trying to get it. You know, we're trying to win a game, right? We're all teammates on here and everybody's got a role. All roles matter, but our teammates, man, they're net zero. <laughs> they want their paycheck when, when it's due. Right. And so you've got to balance that as an owner. Cash flows, cash flows real. So I hawk the crap out of cash flow. <laughs> Even now, I still hawk it super freaking close. Why? Because <laughs> never hardly ever get paid on time. Everybody's got an excuse to include the big companies as to why they or, or their process. You know, hey, yeah, you invoice me on that day, but I don't batch till 10 days later and it's net 30 on the batch date. You're like, oh my gosh, wish I'd have known that. I didn't know that until I was screaming at you. Why am I not getting paid on day 31, baby? Let's go. Yeah, a good friend of mine said that AR, you're consistent with AR. You're either consistently on it and going to get paid or you're consistently not on it and you're going to chase it. Yep, that's a great that's a great one for sure. Well, John, could you, I bet you I can answer this question for you, but what was the tipping point that really took your business to the next level? That's a really, another really good question. So I think two things, maybe three. And for those of you listening, they did send me questions in advance that I did not have. So I'm literally flying by the seat of my pants. <laughs> um, acceleration. So again, being a voracious reader, you know, not uh, one lady, a gal in the company, she said to me some things like, okay, I'm not sure I, I'm not sure I'm ready for this. I don't, I've got a lot of experience, but not like in this space. And I said, Hey, you know, I kind of looked around, like, I'm gonna let you know a dirty little secret. I've never done this before either. (laughs) I've never started from one guy and built a company. So we're figuring this out as we go, but I do read a lot, right? I read a lot and not just like stuff in my industry. I try to read all kinds of different industries because I think there's, there's tidbits for us in all those spaces. So the tipping point, one of the things I read over time, and talking to business owners 20 years older than me, 30 years older, what would you do different? One of them said, I'd buy growth, right? So part of our story, we started clipping along there in 18. And I had a chance to acquire a small company that was doing about two and a half million years, pretty small, but they had a they had a services contract in it that was the prime was a company called Vertex Aerospace, now called Vertex, the Vertex company. And I was like, dude, I want that thing. So we did the deal. There was some other stuff. Some manufacturing stuff ended up not sticking with us. But I took that contract and went into Vertex's office and sat down with their senior vice president and said, you know, this is who I am. It's my background. I just thought I'm your new guy and I'm going to be the best sub you've ever had. And he was like, okay, prove it to me. And so we turned that thing into a second contract. We're now in a mentor protege. It's a formal program in the Department of Defense with the Vertex company. Very good. So I would say that was a pretty significant event, if you will, doing that and then working really hard. Like I can't remember if we talked in the preamble about executing, right? You got to execute relationships and all that will get you to the door, but you got to execute that piece. And then along that way, as we started to get what now doesn't seem like a ton of momentum, but 100% growth from two people to four, that's big, you know, (laughs) it's big. And so you start to get some momentum around the talent piece and I, That's what I was going to guess. I was going to guess yeah. your team. Yeah, I start to get, I get to start talking to people who are maybe a slightly dissatisfied with the big company. Like, hey, man, you want to come over here? One, we're going to have a great time. Two, I'll make it worth your while. Maybe not in cat, you know, pay right away, but but I'll I'll let you be a part of the ownership team. I want you to be a part of the ownership team, and I want you to build something that fires you up, right? And so, just recruiting that way, you're right. It turned into talent. So I would say that the, probably the vertex piece, and then really just recruiting talent. And, and then the, probably the third thing would be, I was a 295 guy at A&M, okay? So I was an engineering major. I think I had, and I'm not joking, I'd have to go back and look, but I'm pretty sure I had the same GPA to like the fourth digit. 
for six of the nine semesters I was there. I couldn't break 3-0 except for one time. And that was my junior year. And I had was performing to OCS the second time. And I had I had a bunch of military stuff in there to got, I got extra A's in. So uh, <laughs> Yeah, but that know, doesn't help. All right. So I tell people like, look, man, I'm not the smartest guy. I'm not dumb, but I'm not the I'm not a my wife was an honors grad. She's my bonfire buddy. She's class of ninety two. She's my bonfire buddy. She's a smart one. She graduated a bunch of them extra freaking names after on her diploma, right? So anyway, yeah, growth. You know, people buying a little bit and then um there's something else in there that will come back here that was good. So anyway, just keep growing. All good stuff. So on our podcasts here, we talk about our big, hairy, audacious goals, right? And we talk about this as our moonshot. So what is your big, hairy, audacious goal? What's your BHAG? What's your moonshot, your five, 10-year moonshot? Yeah. <laughs> I tell people, I'm actually shooting for Jupiter, dude. And then I figure if I get in the low <laughs> Earth orbit, I've still done pretty doggone good. Um, <laughs> You know, another part of my my deal, so people can start to do the math, graduate made him in 90, so I'm 53 years old, retired from the Marine Corps in 2014. I was 46 years old when that happened. I'm, I'm 53 now. I'm not going to be Warren Buffett. Not happening. There, there's not enough runway in front of me for that to happen. So I'm not doing this. Am I trying to make some money? Absolutely. What excites the crap out of me is building something. That's what really lights me up, right? Building something, and then like I mentioned earlier, being a part of a team where I can look around and the people that I'm with, man, they're like, dude, I'm, I'm living the best version of me right now because the environment John created, that's worth more than dollars in a bank account to me. And I, you know, I'm, I instill that in my kids because it's just as a leader. And, and I don't know, that's not exactly how the Marine Corps teaches it, but, but it's a real close version. You know, your, your best value as a leader is what happens to those around you, not what happens to you. And so and again, the preamble, I drank that Kool-Aid. I took, I took injections in my arms on it. I'm, I'm totally bought in and, and I'll go to my grave with that philosophy. Cause I also know when they write the obit and people stand up and talk about me, they won't be talking about what's in my bank account. They're going to talk about the impact that I had on other people. And so that's what drives me. So my big, hairy, audacious goals to, I, I am trying to build something really big. If I'm totally transparent, it's got another, we're, we're going to, our forward run right now, we had two acquisitions this year. The Aggie 100 growth was all what we would call organic. It was just winning new work and attracting talent. In 21, we acquired two companies, one in July and one in November. So that puts us on a forward portfolio run of about of north of $30 million a year. And wow. uh, which is just crazy, right? I just bottom, even to say it, I'm like, oh my gosh. So I think this is the first time someone celebrated Aggie 100 by going out and buying a company because <laughs> we celebrated <laughs> October and you closed on the second one in November, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. So, you know, again, part of my deal is like, hey, if you don't go big, go home. Like if you're not going to go big, go home. And, and that's not to belittle or put down somebody who's content and having a small business, not that at all. It's just not the way God wired me, man. I, I just, I'm a freak. I love the, I call it a game, but it's not a game because people are employed by our company, right? Their, their families are dependent on my leadership and the rest of the leadership, making good decisions, being good capital allocators. And so I take it very, very seriously, but man, I love the game. I love, I love trying to win. I love trying to, you know, how do I, and the, and the win to me is not, oh, I beat somebody else out. Did I satisfy my customer's need? And a lot of times, even today, they'll say, hey, what can y'all do? Well, I'm happy to tell you what we can do, but what I can do, you don't care about. You care about what you need. So tell me what you need done, and I'll tell you whether I can do it. 
more than likely, unless it's painting fingernails, I'll go figure out how to do it. Because <laughs> if I'm talking to you as a customer, I'm interested, right? And so that was kind of another one of those running jokes. Like, if, if, as long as it's not fingernails, man, I'm interested in talking about We're it. We're good. Uh, so um, I'll I'm figure it out. Sure we just got our quote. <laughs> <laughs> I will figure it out, man. Because again, there's, I use the WeWord a whole bunch. And that was me, myself, and I, you know, in that first three years, you know, yeah. and there's, you know, somebody says, who are you doing this for? Well, okay, now you've asked me a, a point of honesty. I'm not doing it for anybody. I've done it in the past. I want you to be my first customer. Oh, you know, somebody finally had to say yes, or I'll take a chance on you. And so that's the other part I think about ownership. I don't know what our time here is. I believe as owners, we've got to give back and, and don't wait until you've made it to give back. You should be giving back. It's just like on my faith journey. You got to give back before you know you can give back. And so yeah. we've bought into that as a, as a team. We've got a guy, Jason Walker. He's one of my classmates. He's deployed down at AM at the Veteran Resource Center, helping them, that are, those folks that are down there and want to go through some talent assessments and things that we believe in, help people unpack who they are and be the best version of themselves, right? Because the military, I, I have a pretty passionate view Marine Corps, the, the services in general, they do a great job of taking a civilian, recrunching them and turn them into a military guy. They're, they're not so good at turning you back into the other way. It's tough, yeah. right? They just don't do that very well. And so I, you know, I was fortunate to retire as an 06 and, and I didn't dawn on me until I retired 14 until about 16. I'm like, hey man, that, that tap thing was terrible. That was horrible. And I got extra special, you know, like, hey, we're gonna take care of the senior guys. And I'm thinking, man, my son-in-law, he wasn't my son-in-law then, but I, I knew he would eventually be. He's a young enlisted guy. He's going to get garbage if he chooses to get out early, right? And I was just like, Dad, gummit, we got to, I want to do my part now to help influence that as best I can. So that's one of our passion projects is working on the, the veteran talent thing. I, I talked to a lot of guys and gals that are leaving. We have Jason deployed down there trying to help those folks out. So big believer in, in what Jerry Smith is doing at the running the yeah. Veteran Resource Center and just privileged is all get out the Canoss Center there, Don and Ellie Canoss. Those great Americans too, man. They, they, you know, built a great veteran resource center down there. So that's really fun. So I, I think that's another part of just, it doesn't really fit into your question, but that's an important part of being a leader and, and a company. And it's easy to wait to say, I'll do that when I, when I have it. I'm a big believer in, you know what, just go do it early, man. And people, and part of that gave me breaks. They gave me a chance, man. I went in there and said, dude, I need a chance. I just need somebody to give me a chance. I promise you I'll work hard. And, and they gave them. So I'm going to turn around and give everybody I can a chance because that's what was done for me. But, right? but then you, you execute on it. Like, like you talked. Yeah, amen. Yeah. yeah. Gotta go execute. Right. Well, eggs, that was so much amazing value that John is sharing with us. We're going to do something special and we're actually going to split this into two episodes. So make sure that you join us next week when we finish talking to him and hear about what it takes to be the fastest growing Aggie owned company. In the meantime, make sure you connect with John and his team and be sure to connect with us on Facebook, LinkedIn, or Instagram. Aggie Growth Hacks was produced by fellow Aggies over at Podcast Architects. We also want to give a huge shout out to our sponsor, the McFerrin Center for Entrepreneurship at Texas A&M University. Since 1999, the McFerrin Center for Entrepreneurship has served as the hub of entrepreneurship for Texas A&M. If you're an entrepreneur or even a entrepreneur, head on over to their website to find a program that's right for you. Just go to aggiegrowthhacks.com forward slash McFerrin right now. Join us next time when we finish our conversation with John. Until then, I am Chris Hunter. And I'm Greg Martin. Thanks and gig em.